Do you like welcoming each one here this morning? Shall we pause for a word of prayer? Our Father, we thank you for today and thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you in spirit and truth. We appreciate the opportunity that we have to come together as a body to, to worship. And we do pray, Lord, for the message this morning that somehow we can grasp what you're teaching us in Scripture. So we just want to commit this morning to you, and Jesus, we pray. Amen. I appreciated what Wawa had to say. <clears throat> and if I was to talk to Wawa, and it's good to have Winston back, and if I was to talk to Winston... Do you have a calling in your life? And they would say, yes. I have a calling to, to go work in an orphanage. I have a calling for open hands. I would like to have a raise of hand who feel a calling to be a deacon. <laughs> no, seriously, I don't. It would be easier if we did. But the point I was... I really want to bring out this morning isn't this so much of do you have a calling to be a deacon, which we're going to go through ordination here in the end of March. But do you have a calling? How about you older people? Do you have a calling in life? How about you young people? Do you have a calling in life? You know, and I've been there, so I know how, how it is. I di- didn't feel like I really had a calling to work at Burgers. I really didn't have a calling going to Fairfield. I really didn't have a calling to raise a family. I felt like maybe it was someday God could use me in the ministry somewhere else. And I felt, kind of felt that, but I wasn't specifically called to do that. So the challenge is for us is to look at our lives and realize that we have a calling in life. And it doesn't have to be in the ministry. It can be at home, being a a mother. It can be in the workforce and so on. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and read a couple verses. We all have been called by God. You know, we probably don't look at it as a calling to God chose us to accept him as our, our Savior. But think about it in, in light of what I want to share. Think about what did you feel when you decided to give your life to Christ? How did you feel? Do you feel like something was nudging you? You feel like maybe your conscience was bothering you about some things, and you just kind of had that feeling that you should. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, it says, But unto them which are called, all of us, and that includes you and I, it includes both Jews, it includes the Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, 
and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brother, how that not many wise men, after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak of the world to confound the things that which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. So think about, you know, how foolish it is to the world to realize that we would look out from among the brotherhood and choose, choose a man to be our leader. We would say, how foolish. And we would say, you know, if God is going to call someone to do a great, to go to the mission field, he's going to choose someone who is well-known, who, I mean, who is smart, you might say, well-schooled, uh, someone going to Mexico should be able to speak the language and to realize that God has chosen um, us to do those jobs. It's, it's quite a, yeah, it's challenging. But then it's not only just that. You know, God has chosen us, so now we have a responsibility of living that life that calling, because I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4, and this is the idea of the church, but all of us have a, a calling in life. You know, we, we accept Christ as our Savior, and from that point on, we now have a calling to to serve him. And we're going to do that in wherever we are at. I'm going to serve him at school. I'm going to serve him on the workforce. I'm going to serve him. And if he does call me to on the mission field, I'm going to serve him. And if I come back from the mission field, I keep serving him. You know, sometimes we hear those who go on the mission field that come back and they're like they're not sure where to fit in anymore, like they lost their calling, you might say. But no, God has given them a calling to serve him wherever we're at. Um, yeah, I'll get into that a little bit later again. But God has also done that within the church. You know, we all are here, and he calls occasionally one to, be, to step into the leadership. But we all have a calling. Uh, Verse 11 of Ephesians 4. And he gave some apostles, and that's within the church. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. And why did he do that? For, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay wait to deceive. So 
we live in a wicked world. And we come together as a body of Christ to encourage each other to live in this wicked world so that we're not swayed with this train of thought or this teaching and so on. We're here to, to um, perfect each other in our faith, in our walk with God. And that's our responsibility. So God has given us gifts to be able to accomplish that. Now I want to go to Acts chapter 6. And this is uh, the story of um, when the 12 disciples, or uh, the seven deacons were ordained. Acts chapter 6. I'll read first seven verses. And in those days when the number of the disciples were, were multitude, multiplied, and there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the <clears throat> multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we, have, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of the Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. We see that We see the problem that the apostles had is God had chosen these 12 to start the church. And their church was just multiplying. If you go to chapter 2, you'll see that 3,000 people are added to the church. And if you go to chapter 4, you'll see 5,000 added to the church. And if you go back to the last couple verses in uh, Acts 5, you'll see that Uh, multitudes were added to the church. And you can see the problem that, you know, at the beginning you can keep up with with taking care of the widows and taking care of... Well, let's see what the responsibility that God has taught us. I'll go back just uh, one verse, 542. And daily... Oh, no, that's not the one I wanted. 435. Chapter 4, verse 35, it says, And they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. So people would bring their offerings to the apostles, and they would distribute as people had need. And you can see that as the church was growing and growing, and the responsibility was being great, that was being missed. So the Greek, the Grecians here were, they were 
Jews outside of the, uh, they may be living in Greece or so on, but they were outside the Jewish circle there in Jerusalem. And they said, there's a problem here. And so the disciples decided that it was best for them to give that responsibility to deacons. And why they chose seven, um, I'm not sure, but it it was a a perfect number. But you see in verse 42 of chapter 5, it says, And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Christ. So you can see there, I I can see it anyways, that they were so busy preaching and sharing Christ and in homes and, and in temple and and finally they um, they were brought to their attention that they had a problem and so they said well we're not going to stop what we're doing we're going to appoint seven men to take the charge and so they did he chose seven among them verse 2 it says, the twelve called the multitude of the disciples and said unto them. And I was thinking, the multitude of the disciples, of all those, God chose seven. Now, were there others? Possibly. So why them? Did they feel a calling? Were they called to that? I'll answer that for too long. But I see, what I see is that here were disciples that were doing good. They were walking in the Spirit. So in other words, they were being led of the Spirit, and they were also doing uh, teaching and so on, and learning of Christ and so on. They were to be well spoken of inside the church and also outside the church. They were to be well spoken of. And that's one of the qualifications that the deacon does have in, the, in Timothy. But they were living godly lives even without receiving the call of being in leadership. And so that point I want you to hang on to because that is what I want to encourage you today. Of these seven, one of them was martyred for his faith, and Philip was eventually told to go to Samaria and Gaza and preach there. I feel like I'm losing my train of thought, and it's not going to flow real well right here. But... I guess what I'm, I want to say is we have to think outside of a church, okay? You know, we can pick leaders within. If we had seven deacons, we see seven deacons within, it, within us. But their church was scattered all throughout. You know, Samaria, uh, Jerusalem, and, and the church was it kept going further and further out. And so I see that these seven that were called, they didn't all serve in one spot. They, all, they moved about and did the work that was required for them. 
and I see these seven walking with Christ, and suddenly their responsibility changed. And not, not only, they didn't change what they had to do, but the responsibilities were more than what they were earlier. They still served and preached Christ, and some were asked to go, and others didn't. Now, we do, do know that there are some here that we don't hear much about, and we know of Nicholas, the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans is not well spoken of in, in Revelations. So, you know, all that, God chose these seven, and it wasn't that they gave them a special calling. Now, they did ordain them, so they did feel the call and the responsibility of doing their job, and they had the power of the Spirit in them, but their daily walk in life was to follow Christ. So I hope you can gather that. So how does God call? <clears throat> well, for starts, he calls um, we as the leaders and the leaders of the past um, had a need to fill, and so we seek the congregation to, for a man to fill that spot. And God calls to the congregation. Same way with um, a call to go into the service. You know, does God specifically use the congregation to call someone to go to Haiti? Not necessarily. So, how do we feel a call? How do we receive it? Um, some, I guess I've talked to some, and, and some men feel called for years that they were going to be in leadership. Some were called within a couple months. I remember um, the ordination was in January for for my ordination, and I'd went to Oregon for for Thanksgiving. Anyways, I felt like on the trip, I felt like maybe I would be in the lot, and and anyways, so I, you know, when you're traveling and you got a lot of miles, and the children are sleeping, I just you can talk to. Bev, what do you, you know, how do you, what do you think about that? And anyways, she felt the same thing. So God can call through, through that way. And then some feel like they come. When, when you go through the, um, oh, what do you call that? Jerry, what do you call it? When they, after they got your names, you go out and interview them. Okay, when you go through the interview, they ask you if you had to call. So, you know, some feel maybe, well, sort of. Some feel definitely yes, and then some say, well, I really don't feel a call, but I I will serve. And then there's another area. 
Well, let me back up just a little bit. I want to finish that thought. I want to go to Luke chapter 6, verse 13. You know, what if someone felt the call, went through the lot, and the last two ordinations we have had four men each time, and with four men have felt they've received the call, but only one was chosen. So what happens? Was there no call there? But I would like to encourage you in Luke 6, verse 13. And when it was day, now Jesus had just been praying all night, and he was to choose his 12 disciples. And it says, when it was day, after he had prayed all night, he called unto him his disciples. Now, how many disciples, we don't know for sure, but I get the picture that there was a lot of disciples. And then Jesus chose from among them, he chose 12. What happened to the calling were the other disciples called? So going back to that thought that I've been bringing out, I will continue to serve in whatever capacity God has brought me in. And if Jesus chose me, I'll follow. But if he doesn't, I still serve him. Because if you go back later, after Judas did what he did, they chose two more men, and from among those two, they chose another disciple. Now, these two men were among the disciples that were there, that wasn't chosen. But what did they do? They continued to walk with Christ. They continued to hear his teaching. They continued to serve wherever um, opportunity they had. So if we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 13, we see that, you know, God doesn't always choose you for what you think you want to serve in. Acts 1, verse 23. And they appoint, okay, this is, I just shared about that, about Joseph and uh, Matthias coming together and then Matthias was chosen. Okay, going back to about being chosen, about choosing the seven deacons in Acts and how they were already serving If you feel called to the the ministry, are you ready? Are you already been serving him? If you've been called to the ministry of Salem, are you already serving Salem in your capacity, in however the church asks you to do? Teach, give topics, meet people's needs, if you see someone struggling to go talk to them, are you already doing that? You know, I sense sometimes we could feel the call, but we're not preparing ourselves for that call. Like if 
I was called to go on the mission field, I should be preparing myself to go on the mission field. So in thinking of of being called for the ministry or being chosen a deacon, who does it affect the most? Well, you would say, me or you, the, the guy. But it doesn't. It affects the whole family. You know, so when someone, you know, opens the book and the paper's in their hands and they put hands on, the, on their head and, and ordain them to the ministry, it affects the whole family in, in that area. And I would like to maybe encourage... Um, you know, it all depends. If you're a young fa- man with a young family, you can, you know, they can grow up with uh, minister's children. Now, I was ordained when my children were older. So they had to be, they weren't called to be the minister, but yet they are. And, you know, they may not feel that call, but yet they're called. And sometimes it can be a real struggle for a young child. And I've seen that in, in um, ministers' children, you know, rejecting dad's ministry because of maybe things they don't like about it. But the wife definitely receives the call and also the responsibility of the ministry. So are you... As a wife, if your husband is called, are you going to support him with all your heart? Which means taking care of the children while dad studies. Uh, Helping the children understand dad's ministry. Maybe how you relate to other women in the church. Uh, not being a busybody, and there's qualification. I think Terrell's going to talk about that later on. But, um, you know, our, you wives relation, relating to other wives has an effect on, on your husband. And you just say, well, it shouldn't, but it does. And it's the same way with the children. Um, father's call affects the children. And some accept it and some don't. But I'm thinking, you know, as a child goes, gets older, are they still... You know, for one thing, if you raise a family, you see the fathers, that your leader is supposed to be the to lead, and then you follow. We set the example. So if we raise a family, a young family you're kind of watching how we raise our children, and you're, you're coming to the conclusion, yeah, that he's doing it right, and so I will follow his steps. But as a child gets older, you know, sometimes we may be a little more critical, especially when that child chooses a different path or may not stand with the same standards or so on, you know, and... and Sometimes we put the blame on the, on the parents of that, but yet we still have to understand that child is not bound for life. 
to be a PK, I guess. That's what they say. So I hope I didn't make the water muddy there. But one example that just was given to me just recently, someone from Goshen, a lady, raised up in the beach church. Well, every time they would go anywhere, they, they was always reminded of whose child they are. So here, this child had the pressure of having to live it up to dad's standards. And, and the whole family rejected that. And I know there could be other things added to that that caused them to walk away. But I'm getting... I don't feel like we should put, as a congregation, put pressure on whoever's children and make them live a higher standard than we expect out of our children. But we need to allow them to grow into it just like we need to allow um, our children to grow into this whole relationship and how sorting things out and what they believe and so on. But children are definitely an important part of the ministry, and I really encourage you children to get behind your dad and support him in that way. But don't put expectations on them that is beyond what they can handle. So do you feel a call? Do you feel a call at all? (laughs) I hope this message kind of encouraged you that you do have a call in life, and I encourage you to, to see a calling in what you're doing. You know, Jesus gave you a call when you accepted Christ. What did he say? Go into all the world, teach, and baptize. He talks about teach, make disciples. He talks about teach your children. He talks about the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people at odds together and reconciling. We have a ministry. And we don't have to be in the ministry to have that. And so I want to encourage you to live like you're, you have a calling in life.